Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. We finally have some preseason basketball. I cannot wait as I'm recording this podcast. We're a couple hours away from the start of the new season, the preseason, getting into the regular season. And I just can't wait, man. And I got so much stuff to talk to you guys about today. We got the top 10 teams, in my opinion, heading into next season. We have my award predictions. We have some bold predictions. And I have to gloat a little bit about my Los Angeles Lakers. My guy, LeBron James, and his Lakers are loaded up, preparing for another NBA season. I cannot wait. The Lakers are looking like the odds-on favorites to go back-to-back as champs. We're going to get into it starting right there. With the Los Angeles Lakers, they had a great offseason. They clearly won the offseason. Ever since I recorded my last podcast episode, they got so much better. They added Montrez Harrell, who won sixth man of the year. They added Dennis Schroeder, who I believe should have won sixth man of the year. They added Wes Matthews as a 3 and D player. They added Marcus Gasol as a guy that can space the floor and protect the rim. To go along with still having Anthony Davis bring him back, for multiple years. LeBron James signed a contract extension for multiple years. They've got the core. Even Kyle Kuzma is still on the Los Angeles Lakers roster. They did lose guys like Danny Green, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Avery Bradley. Those are some solid role players. But again, going into the season last year, you guys know when I made this podcast, I was confident in LeBron James and Anthony Davis being able to lead the Lakers and be the top two guys and compete for a championship that way. But I did not know what to make of the others, the supporting cast. It turns out that they were good enough, but we went from good enough to now a great supporting cast with this Los Angeles Lakers squad. And with LeBron James and AD potentially having to load manage throughout the season, they have guys that can step in and pick up some of that slack. So the Lakers, clear winners of the NBA offseason. It's crazy how much they won. Shout out to Rob Palenka. A lot of people have been throwing shade under his name over the past year, but got to give him his props, man. The Lakers are revamped. They're loaded, and they look like the best team in the NBA. Without further ado, let me get my top 10 teams in the NBA heading into the 2020-2021 season. And at number 10, I have none other than the Phoenix Suns. And yes, the Phoenix Suns are the team that went undefeated in the bubble. The Valley Boys are coming with vengeance this season because they added a superstar player still. I can't believe he's still a superstar, but Chris Paul, the IQ he has, the feel for the game, his ability to handle the ball, manipulate the pick and roll. He makes everyone around him better, and he's going to be able to do that in Phoenix with a young up-and-coming rising squad. You look at Devin Booker, who's a bucket out there. You look at DeAndre Aiden, who could take another step into his game as a double-double machine, as a big man. They added Jay Crowder, a solid 3-and-D wing player who had a big-time impact on the Miami Heat squad, had a ridiculous hot streak shooting the ball from perimeter in the postseason. He's the type of guy that would fit perfectly with this team. They also got Mikel Bridges, who's a solid 3-and-D player as well. So the Suns are loaded. They did lose Kelly Oubre, but I like this Phoenix Suns team a lot. Monty Williams is a hell of a coach. He's worked with Chris Paul before, and the Suns come in at number 10 on my top 10 teams for next season. At number 9, I know I'm a Steph Curry guy. I love me some Steph Curry, but the Warriors come in at number 9 because they don't have Klay Thompson, okay? And I just don't know how good of a team – this team can be without Klay Thompson. Yes, they still have Steph Curry. Yes, they still have Draymond Green, his pick-and-roll partner, the best defender on this roster. And he's really going to come out with vengeance and prove a lot of people wrong. We're talking about his triple singles. Yes, he's a guy 
that's not going to be great on a team where he's just playing with G Leaguers. But when he's playing with a guy in Steph Curry, when he's playing with other good to great players around him, he's going to be a monster. James Wiseman, who I knew they should have taken at the number two overall pick, he's going to be a monster on both sides of the ball. I like the addition of Kelly Oubre. I think Andrew Wiggins will have a good season playing next to Steph Curry because Steph Curry, like I said about Chris Paul, he elevates the guys around him. So I think Steph will do that with this group. I do worry a little bit about their bench depth, but, but Kevon Looney and Marquise Chris uh, being your two bigs off the bench, I think those guys are going to be super solid. Brad Wanamaker is a backup point guard. He's serviceable, okay? So the Warriors are not going to be that bad. They have some pieces. Kent Bazemore has some defensive potential. He's been a good defender, and he's going to be on that bench. You also got Eric Pascal who can shoot the ball, can score the ball. So the Warriors will be a solid team. I don't think they're going to be a phenomenal team, but they're definitely going to be a team that no one really wants to see in the first round of the playoffs. And that's why I have them at my number nine spot. Steph Curry is going to go berserk. His first year fully healthy, hopefully cross our fingers without Kevin Durant. We saw what he did when he didn't have Kevin Durant the last time, unanimous MVP in the regular season. At number eight, we got the Denver Nuggets and this was a team that went to the Western Conference Finals after coming back from 3-1 in two consecutive series. You got Nicole Jokic, who's a flat-out superstar, flat-out stud. I don't want to hear anyone say he's not the best center in the league because he's so clearly the best center in the league. It's not even funny. Jamal Murray, to me, is going to take a big leap more on that later, but he already showed it in the bubble. He went from a guy that he was super inconsistent in the bubble. He was just getting buckets out there. He was dominant. Again, we want to see it over a longer sample size, but right now Jamal Murray's really showing me something. He's going to be a really, really good player in this league. Also, Michael Porter Jr., a guy I was super high on draft night. I thought he was the third best prospect in his draft by Luka Doncic and Trey Young, and that can still very well be the case. I believe it will if he gets more opportunities. Even a guy like Bull Bull, I had him much higher on my draft board, and Nuggets somehow got him. And he's a guy that really has a lot of promise. They did lose some key defense. That's why they're super low on this list in comparison to where they were last year going to the conference finals. They lost Torrey Craig. They lost Jeremy Grant. So their defense is not going to be as strong. Even a guy like Mason Plumley as your backup center is no longer on the squad. So I worry a little bit about how the Nuggets are going to guard some of these elite teams in the league. Uh, you still have a guy in Will Barton who's a solid defender. Gary Harris still be a solid defender on the wings. Monte Morris. But I wonder if they lost too much defense, unless Bull Bull takes a step, unless Michael Porter Jr. Uh, develops a little bit on that side of the ball. I worry how they're going to be defensively. But Mike Malone's a great coach. They got a lot of chemistry still. They got a lot of promise as a young rising team that can only get better in this league in terms of the young guys' talent. At number seven, again, this may seem super low, but I have the defending Eastern Conference champs, the Miami Heat. And I'm not going to go out and say that last year was a complete fluke for the Heat, but a lot of things really did break their way. And they played really good team basketball together. They were able to take advantage of this bubble situation. Jimmy Butler's an incredible leader. And he did a great job galvanizing those troops and really making the most of the situation. They were way more prepared than some of those other teams. Eric Spolstra is an elite coach. You got Bam Adebayo, who's a stud on both sides of the ball. He can be a good playmaker and a good inside score. Also, his defensive prowess, being able to guard multiple positions is very valuable. Uh, they did add Mo Harkless. They re-signed some of their guys, Myers Leonard, uh, Goran Dragic. So they got most of their squad back. Avery Bradley's also on this squad. Now he can provide them some toughness on the perimeter as a wing defender. 
Now, there are some rumors about who they may or may not be going after to try to acquire, but as currently constructed, they still have Tyler Hero. They still have Duncan Robinson. They still got those snipers. Uh, they still got Kendrick Nunn. I think this will be a really solid Miami Heat team, but I just think other teams in the league got better, but I don't really think the Miami Heat really got better. It's not like I'm saying they're going to be so much worse than they were last season. They're still my third best team in the Eastern Conference. I just think other teams in that conference and other teams in the Western Conference just simply got better. But again, to Miami Heat fans out there, I did not even expect y'all to go to the finals last year. I thought the Milwaukee Bucks were the better team. I thought Giannis was going to be able to get it done. But clearly, y'all were a better matchup. Y'all outcoached them. Y'all outplayed them. Just as simple as that. So you guys can do that again this year. You guys have the, the talent to do it. You have the chemistry to do it. You have the coaching to do it. You have the ability to outplay any team in this league in a best out of seven series, unless they're just overpowered extremely with their star power, which we'll get to at some of the top teams, which I just don't think they could because although Chris Middleton is an all-star caliber player, he's not really that like elite, elite second option to go next to Giannis. Moving on to number six, we have the Portland Trailblazers. I know people may see that the Portland Trailblazers barely even made the playoffs last year. But listen, Damian Lillard won the bubble MVP for a reason. He flat out balled out of his mind, honestly, the entire season. And he just didn't have a healthy group to play with, okay? CJ McCollum was pretty solid as a number two. Didn't have as great of a season as he's had in years past, but he was solid. They didn't have Yusuf Nurkic. They didn't have Zach Collins for much of that year. They bring those guys back, and they're going to have them now, hopefully for a full season. you got Carmelo Anthony in the mix. But the biggest thing with the Portland Trailblazers is they improved tremendously on defense. We've always worried about Portland's defense. We know what their offense brings to the table. We have Nurkic anchoring the defense in the paint, but now you got Robert Covington, who's a good 3 and D guy on the perimeter. You got Derrick Jones Jr., who's an athletic high flyer that can switch out and guard multiple positions. So this Blazers team should be better on the wings defensively, and they're going to be fully healthy. And we know how lethal Dame Dalla is as a bucket generator at the point of attack. And CJ is a very, very good number two option. So I think Portland's going to be a problem. I have them slightly over the Miami Heat. I can see you putting the Heat over the Blazers, but I think the Blazers are definitely going to be a team to watch in the Western Conference. At number five, yes, I know there's going to be a lot of controversy surrounding the number five team because it is the Los Angeles Clippers, okay? This is a polarizing team because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George obviously were the favorites going into the season. They had the best roster in the league, and they blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. And everyone's going to talk about how are they going to respond? How are things going to be this year? Talking about their offseason, I mean, they added a guy in Serge Ibaka who does provide them the rim protection, and he can space the floor. I like that addition. They lost Montrez Harrell, who's a big-time scoring piece. But I think the biggest thing about the Montrez Harrell thing is not that he was so great for the Clippers, which, I mean, he was off the bench in the regular season, just didn't have a good playoffs, and he can't be exposed on defense. But he went to the Lakers. He went to your biggest rival in the conference. He went to the favorites of the conference. I think that's the biggest thing for the Clippers because they did clearly upgrade getting Serge Ibaka. But you also got Luke Kennard, okay, who's an upgrade over Landry Shamit as a shooter, as a shot creator. He's going to be a nice piece. Tyron Lue, we'll see how he does as a head coach. He's more of a player's coach, but we'll see what his X's and O's are looking like, his rotations and everything of that sort, how he galvanizes these troops for, in terms of like a leadership perspective and if they can all get on the same page and cut the load management and everything and be cohesive with all the rumors surrounding that franchise. 
But where's the playmaker? Where is the lead bucket generator that can both create shots for himself and for his teammates or more than likely just be a pass-first point guard that can run the show and distribute the shots between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? They did not address that, which is a big L for the Clippers. You still got Patrick Beverly at the point of attack. You still have Reggie Jackson as a backup point guard. I simply don't think this team is going to reach their expectations if they don't get a lead playmaker, okay? And they did not get that, so right now I have them as my number five team, which puts them as the third best team in the Western Conference and to me means that they don't make the Western Conference Finals. They may have a top two seed in the regular season, but I just don't think they will make the Conference Finals as currently constructed unless they get a playmaker or someone develops into a playmaker you already saw Kawhi getting better in the playmaking department, but just not good enough at it to really make a difference. They wanted a guy like Rondo to come in there, and they just didn't get him. They didn't get anybody to really fill that void at the time of recording this podcast. So that's why I have the Clippers at number five. At number four, the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, the Milwaukee Bucks have let me down for the past two years. I predicted them to make the NBA Finals, and Giannis deserves a lot of the blame for that, but it's not just Giannis. Okay, I thought Giannis was up next. Him and Luka Doncic were going to be the two guys battling for the best player in the league. I still believe that will be the case once LeBron's done because LeBron's not showing very many, if any, signs of slowing down. But Giannis still has a ways to go, as we see with his jump shot, which is decision-making in the half court, becoming too predictable as a unit. Similar to a lot of the things I say about the Houston Rockets, uh, at least the Bucks are an elite, arguably the best defensive team in all of basketball. But offensively, they become very predictable in the half court. Giannis is still uh, having a rough time getting to his spots with him building a wall, you know, and being confident in his moves and his decision-making. Chris Middleton was okay as a second option. Brick Lopez is solid. They didn't really have that third option because Eric Bledsoe was really underperforming, and <laughs> you couldn't really deal with that. And the shooters, at the end of the day, just weren't knocking down shots consistently. Giannis wasn't able to knock down his foul shots. Giannis wasn't able to put uh, enough right plays consecutively together. So that was really what did it. In the Miami Heat, you just got to tip their cap. They played outstanding basketball on both sides of the ball. But the Bucks did add some good pieces, which I really liked, and I think will definitely make them a better team. For starters, Drew Holiday at the point of attack, that's a guy that can play make and create his own shot. Would have been a kind of guy that the Clippers could have used, but he's now on the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, they did add Torrey Craig, which I mentioned before, as a wing defender. So that's another W. Bobby Portis coming in as a backup power forward. DJ Augustine, excuse me, as a backup point guard. Brent Forbes is a knockdown shooter from the San Antonio Spurs. So the Bucks really got better. Their bench depth is better. Uh, and really they added an upgrade in every facet of the game over Eric Bledsoe at point. So they have three guys that can be all-star caliber players. They have a superstar MVP guy, a lead guy. Uh, the coaching, I don't know. The rotations were really iffy last year. The amount of minutes you're giving to your star players, the lack of adjustments do concern me, which is why I ultimately still don't think the Bucks are going to come out of the East. But from a talent perspective, from a cohesion perspective, from a defensive perspective, I think this Milwaukee Bucks team is still clearly a top five team in the NBA. And I do expect them to be able to be a team that can go to the Eastern Conference Finals this upcoming season. At number three, this is the biggest shock of them all, the Dallas Mavericks, man. I'm so high on the Dallas Mavericks this year. Again, this is all 
factoring in you got to stay healthy. Kristaps Porzingis is coming into the season not at 100%. If Kristaps is not ready to go when it's money time, when we're getting late into the season, when it's time for the playoffs, then I'm not going to be able to be nearly as high on the Dallas Mavericks. But he's not even the biggest reason I'm hyped on the Dallas Mavericks. That would be Luka Doncic, who I think is going to have a monster season, an MVP-level season, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But Luka is going to be a monster. He's an efficient triple-double machine. He's great at reading the floor. Perfect bucket generator to build your franchise around. You got some other solid pieces with Tim Hardaway Jr., who had a really good season last year. Obviously, Kristaps Porzingis is a guy that can protect the rim at a great level. He can shoot the three. He can be a shot creator off the bounce. This dude against the Clippers, him and Luka Doncic, were on a roll. They went crazy against the Clippers. And if Kristaps stays healthy and doesn't get ejected from one of those games, the Mavericks are arguably the team that upsets the Los Angeles Clippers in the first round of the playoffs. And Again, it's a hypothetical. You don't really know how it goes down. So I'm not going to say a possibility is a fact, but I mean, the Dallas Mavericks are absolutely rolling that year. They also added Josh Richardson. Okay, Josh Richardson is a good defender on the wings, and they added a guy in Tyrell Terry in the draft that can shoot the lights out to kind of try to replace a little bit with Steph Curry. Excuse me, Seth Curry brings to the table for them. They also added a guy in James Johnson who's going to be the Luka Doncic protector. I mean, this dude is a, a monster, okay? He, he'll really defend his players. He's a great vet to have. Uh, he's strong, physical, and that will help out the Mavericks as well. So that's why I have the Mavericks at number three. Obviously, Rick Carlisle, hell of a coach. I think they're going to be a really, really good team this upcoming season. At number two, I got the Brooklyn Nets. You got KD. You got Kyrie. And I know there's a lot of media swirling about the Brooklyn Nets and about Kyrie Irving's off-the-court stuff. KD, how's he going to come back from his Achilles? Bro, this Nets team is absolutely loaded. Like, I don't see how you can't believe in this Brooklyn Nets team. The kind of moves they made, they weren't able to get a Serge Ibaka-level players they were trying to get. They still have Spencer Dinwiddie at this time. They still have Karis LeVert. They still have Jared Allen as kind of your young guys, some good supporting pieces. You brought in Jeff Green as a veteran wing. I mean, you brought in Landry Shamit via a trade who could be a sharpshooter. You still have Joe Harris, who's a sharpshooter. And then, man, you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That's the second best duo in all of basketball. Whatever you want to say about them as personalities, whatever you want to say about them as leaders, whatever the case may be, all the drama, how they could sometimes act weird, do weird things, be a little sensitive, whatever the case may be. This is still Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving we were talking about. And Kyrie, under the leadership of Steve Nash, I do believe he'll be able to work on his playmaking for others a bit more. And I think KD and Kyrie, because of the friendship they have off the court and the feel for the game and natural instincts they have, being able to do a little bit of everything on the offensive side of the ball. And you got Mike D'Antoni to help out too. They're going to all have a little bit of collaborative input on the way this offense goes. I think this will be one of the best offenses in the NBA. They will be extremely lethal. Then defensively, yeah, there are some questions about how things are going to go. DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen are going to need to be high-level rim protectors for this squad. They don't really have much defense on the wings, but Bruce Brown is someone that can guard a little bit on the wings. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get. Karis LeVert could uh, have some minutes guarding some wings, but at the end of the day, man, you can't stop the Brooklyn Nets offense on a consistent basis, so they're going to win a lot of games. And I think off of that star power and offensive firepower alone, they can win the Eastern Conference. I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk for them, but they have the depth and they have the talent to do so. And I'm just going to believe that they do 
KD off an Achilles injury, I still believe he's going to be Kevin Durant, okay, one of the best players in the world. Uh, he's not going to be as great defensively, but offensively he's going to be very, very good, even if he is playing the power forward spot now. I don't think it's going to be too much of an adjustment for him. And then, obviously, I've talked about it before, the number one spot we have the Los Angeles Lakers. They still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I talked about all the others they have, how great they are. I believe they're the clear-cut favorites to repeat as champs, and I'm going to predict that they do so. Uh, which we'll get down to in the later part of these predictions. We're going to run off the quick awards predictions real quick. I'm going to give you guys some of my bold predictions heading into next season. The MVP, Luka Doncic, we touched on that before. He's going to put up close to an efficient triple-double. I don't think he quite averages a triple-double. It's going to be very, very close. And the Mavericks, to me, are going to be a top three seed in the Western Conference. Rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball is going to have all the opportunities. He's the best talent in the draft, most impactful player to me. I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year. He already has the experience of playing professional basketball overseas. I think he's going to do a lot of things, great things for the Charlotte Hornets. Most approved player, I got Jamal Murray. Okay, I think he's going to be able to do what he did in the bubble, or not quite what he did in the bubble, but he's going to be able to be close to that and be an all-star caliber player. He's going to make the all-star game this year for the Denver Nuggets. We're going to be in the middle of the pack of the Western Conference, but it's going to be a Jokic and Jamal Murray show. They're going to be incredible, along with a little bit of Michael Porter Jr. sprinkled in. Defensive player of the year, I finally think Anthony Davis gets it. He's been hovering around this award for a couple years now. Obviously, Giannis won it, I believe, deservingly so last year. I think it's AD's turn to win. I think he's going to do big things for the Lakers defense. Spencer Dinwiddie is my pick for sixth man of the year. He's just going to provide instant offense off the bench for the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, he can score. He can create for teammates as well. So I got to love Spencer Dewey. And then Coach of the Year, Steve Nash. He's got Jock Vaughn to help him out with the defense. He's got Mike D'Antoni to help him out with the offense. He's a great basketball mind himself. He has a good relationship with his star players. And that team is so talented. I think the Nets get the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. A lot of people think it's going to take some time to gel. It will a little bit, but I still think the Brooklyn Nets are good enough to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and I think that leads Steve Nash to win the Coach of the Year. They're going to be a powerhouse in the East. And then my other bold prediction is the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals, as we touched on before, not the Los Angeles Clippers. I think Luka Doncic becomes the second-best player in all of basketball. We saw him take a jump, which was arguably a most improved caliber season. He went from the Rookie of the Year to a superstar in his second year, going toe-to-toe with and arguably outplaying Kawhi Leonard in a playoff series and playing against the most talented roster from top to bottom in all of basketball. So I think big things are coming from Luka. He's around like my eighth best player right now going into the season. I think he becomes the second best player in the league by the end of the season. I think the Mavericks, if they can stay healthy, they're going to be in the conference finals. And we get to see Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis versus LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then in the Eastern Conference, I got the Bucks with Giannis, uh, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday going up against the Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. My NBA Finals prediction, I've got the Los Angeles Lakers defeating the Brooklyn Nets in six games. And, I mean, you could split the Finals MVP between LeBron James and AD. It might even just be Anthony Davis this time. Because, I mean, I, I really don't see how Brooklyn deals with them over the course of a seven-game series. So that's my predictions for next season. I can't wait. I'm so happy today is the start of it all. 
with the NBA preseason. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We got more podcasts on the way. I'm out. Peace.